have banter. We probably don't have banter. We have so many guests. I'm just going to start talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film in celebration of Easter is Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Uh, who is called Brian? A babe called Brian who becomes a boy called Brian, who becomes a teenager called Brian, who eventually becomes a man called Brian. I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. Uh, I am allegedly still Dalton. And we have two excellent co-hosts um, from the Praise Down. Gentlemen, can you introduce yourselves? Hello and yes. My name's Heath Huffman and I host the Praise Down. My name is Alex Sanchez and I also host the Praise Down. We host now, it together. We host long it together. Time. We're both the hosts. Well- that's true. Both of you have hosted the show for quite some time, and longtime listeners will remember this is not the first time you've joined us in celebration of Easter. That's true. That's we'll true. typically host the show simultaneously, and yeah, we have done this before <laughs> with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. A much better movie. Uh, significantly <laughs> oh, better. Yeah. by a lot, yes. sure. <laughs> well, the songs are all bangers, and that definitely does help. Um, Brian, yeah, who true. is called Brian, though fun, not a banger. Um, but more on that anon. In case you're tuning in the show for the very first time, dear friends, uh, this is a analysis show, not a review show. And that means we are going to spoil the end of the life of Brian, <laughs> which is very funny to think about um, uh, in terms of spoilers, since it's a uh, riff on a story that is um, well known, especially in the part of America in which we live. But nonetheless, uh, we will spoil what ends up uh, befalling uh, the would-be messiah called Brian. But before we get to that, what we'll do is we'll have synopsis from our friend Arthur. Uh, we'll then have uh, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews from all of us. And uh, rather than doing the expanding the syllabus because we've got guest hosts and lots and lots of people to talk, we're going to go right into analysis from there. And that's when all spoiler bets are off. So there is your warning. So Arthur, without any further ado, buddy, can you hit us up with the synopsis, please? Yeah. Born in the year zero A.D., I guess Brian Cohen (laughs) is an average guy looking for more. His mother is overbearing. His friends are wanting to start a revolution. And for some reason, he keeps getting mistaken for another fella born in the barn the same night. But no matter what comes his way, Brian always looks on the bright side of life. Yes. Yes. And no one ever expects the Spanish inquisition. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Monty Python jokes uh, will go through. I was telling Arthur off mic, I feel the need to speak in a high-pitched British accent at all times when discussing Python. And mm. uh, it's it's just a thing um, that amuses me. But I'll try to restrain myself. So uh, without any further ado, though, uh, let's... I do want to hear a little bit of it. I'm going to want to hear it at Yeah, get, just give me a little yeah. taste, but definitely don't do it the whole uh, time. Who are the Britons, right? You know, just you got to go high pit. We're the Knights of St. Me. It's all got to be from Holy Grail, uh-huh. the good Monty Python movie. Um, I've tipped my hand, perhaps. Um, Arthur, let's go to you first, pal. Uh, what do you think of Life of Brian? Uh, you know, I didn't uh, expect this to age as uh, as poorly as uh, as it did uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, this is a movie I saw when I, we talked about this last week when I was first in high school, uh, and you know, the audacity and the the, the tabooness of watching you know the Life of Brian as as a sixteen year old uh, Christian kid was. Uh, you know, somewhat exhilarating, and there was that kind of uh, forbiddenness about it, right? And did it feel Maximus Nauticus? Oh yeah, totally. Okay, uh, but you know that 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 whole thing just kind of flitted away, and so on this rewatch, uh, you kind of get exposed, I think, to actually what's going on in the movie, and and by and large, uh, I, I think there are a few 
humorous moments. I, I laughed out loud a few times. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, uh, the, the song, the, the man who is Brian's song uh, isn't good, uh, but I do like that James Bond esque element of it. I think that's kind of humorous. Uh, and then some of the, the, the bits that work are just age old comedy bits that I think, you know, really, you know, are, have been around for, for years. And so the, uh, you know, the Roman guard helping him paint the insult or the threat on the wall. And then uh, the, how did the Romans help us? Like those little moments uh, I think, you know, are funny to me, but they're also structured comedy bits that almost if done well work 90% of the time, I think. Um, and the, the premise of this film, uh, while I think humorous, I don't think lends itself to a, a feature link narrative. I, I think attempting to do a feature length run of this story uh, is really the weakness of, of the Python guys because both the meaning of life and uh, Holy grail, as well as, you know, their, their series uh, was heavily sketch based and, and that uh, segmentation, I think really helps those movies strive uh, that episodic nature, but this movie not having that, uh, it really, I think, falters. And so a lot of that in-between stuff where they're really kind of getting into the plot of this uh, just doesn't work for me. It's very dry, very bland. Uh, and so it, it, it's not broken up enough by the bits. And so I, I think that while I, I did laugh a few times, uh, by and large, it, it just fell flat for me this go around. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. Um, Alex, you also tipped your hand a little bit. Yeah. Why, why do you think what you think? What is it that you think exactly? And why do you think it about Life of Brian? I think that Life of Brian has Ricky Gervais disease. Um, where always it, wear a condom. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, it's a terrible disease that is bad for comedy. Um. Because what they did was sacrifice jokes to make points, and then the points that they made ended up being really stupid. Um, like they, it, it is very sort of entry level fedora atheist stuff that ends up being sort of very conservative in a lot of ways. Even the uh, the like, what have the Romans ever done for us? Is talking about a conquered people going well at least they civilized us uh which is is maybe bad yeah it's a strong kind of hitler made the trains run on time kind of thing right yeah yeah definitely definitely not a point you want to see a bunch of british people make you know (laughs) yeah you don't need to see that coming from the imperial core (laughs) um i think that the like you said the um the biggest dickest bit is great uh the bit where he's making him do all the latin declensions that's also great um pretty much any of the stuff about jesus is really boring (laughs) (laughs) they don't they don't really do anything that would have even been subversive at the time Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, uh, I think they 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 didn't really make any points about Jesus. They just sort of did an uh, uh, ooh, isn't it cheeky to sort of put a thing during Jesus and to talk about him? But it's not 
It's not like with Islam where it's bad to depict him. Mm-hmm. People had made Jesus movies before, and doing a comedy next to Jesus is very different from doing a comedy about Jesus. Mm-hmm. For sure, these are my these are my thoughts. For I sure, no, I, I I definitely hear what you're saying there, Alex. Um, Dalton, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, you're another high school watcher uh, alongside me and Arthur. Yeah. So, how has the movie aged for you, pal? Well, I think that was Alex's experience as well. I think yes, we, I had seen he- it. Yeah, Alex and Heath and I watched this together, and I don't Heath. I can't remember if you said you had seen it um, before, but wasn't I think, yeah, allowed. That makes sense. Well, and I don't know that I would have been encouraged to watch Life of Brian either, <laughs> but I did. Uh, yeah, I didn't really remember this at all, uh, and I guess it makes sense that I've watched uh, Holy Grail and Meaning of Life, you know, multiple times, and had only seen this the once because yeah, it's just man, it's a dud, as has been stated having a bunch of dudes run into a tiny building, run out of it and then run back in. That's always going to be funny. Like there's no, there's no universe in which that bit isn't hilarious. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this while you're watching it, that the best jokes and Arthur, you've already alluded to this. The best jokes are just kind of like classic, great goofball material, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, even the, the stoning for blasphemy sketch, like it is just a bunch of people saying, you can't say this. And they keep saying the thing you can't say. Uh, (laughs) It's exactly the Knights who say knee sketch. It is. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Uh, The cheap seats at the sermon on the Mount. I'm pretty sure they've done that bit before too. Like it it is exactly that. They sacrifice. Alex really did put a a pin in it quite well, that they are sacrificing good jokes to make, not really that well thought out points. And, and there are times where this movie does like approach doing something interesting, right? Like it wisely connects um, th- this historical moment um, w- with, you know, a political struggle against an, an oppressive uh, military force, right? Like it, it connects the, uh, the leftist movements of the seventies to this actual historical time. And I don't think that that's unsmart, but again, in doing that, all it really has to say is, don't leftists argue with each other a lot? Like, yeah, okay, man. And <laughs> you got anything else for us? And I don't know, maybe that was more of an original uh, point to make in the late 1970s, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Uh, you know, again, there are good bits. Uh, film-wise, it's fine. Like, I, I think there's some some good setups. Uh, the, the speeding up of photography for that Centurion's running in bit we've already mentioned. Really funny. That's great. Yeah, there are some really clever editing gags. Um, the sort of out of nowhere um, heavy uh, aliens, uh, heavy special effects sequence that definitely feel feels like uh, the most Terry Gilliam moment of the movie. Yeah, that was. They just let Terry have like three minutes in the movie. Exactly. Yeah, that's like it's fun. There are moments that you go, "Oh, that's great," but also John Cleese does blackface in like the first three minutes. Uh, to remind you that he's a turd. Uh, and when we've covered uh, Cleese's kind of general turdery uh, when we did A Fish Called Wanda, God, like 10 years ago now almost. Uh, but but it is really frustrating to just kind of see these, these things uh, crop up throughout this movie. When it thinks it's being, you know, wise, when it thinks it's being uh, progressive and saying something about the tendency of organized religion to... to, to uh, pull the wool over people's eyes, which, yeah, okay, sure. That's that's a perfectly fine thing to engage with. I just think do everything that... There's, yeah, do something with it. Everything this movie does was done better by um, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, honestly. Like, all of the kind of interesting trying to place this more in a historical Jesus narrative, right, to kind of remove 
um, any, uh, you know, biblical mythology or, you know, direct divine intervention to kind of take that out and say, let's just focus on uh, the historical narrative. Like, that's fine. Mm. But again, things have done it better and and, in in a way that didn't feel mean spirited, honestly. Um, And and I, I don't know that that was the intent, right? Like, I don't think they were I've, I've read a little bit about what the members of Python thought about this movie, right? They said it's uh, it's not blasphemy, it's heresy. Uh, we're, we're not against God or Jesus, we're against the church, which again, at a certain point, you just end up uh, Ricky Gervais pilled, uh, as Alex has, has said, or uh, e- even worse, uh, y- you end up, um, oh, what's that guy we don't like? Nobody likes him. Dawkins. Bill Maher. Oh, Bill well, Maher. Dawkins too. I was thinking about Bill Maher. Even worse, you go Bill Maher mode and you just become a racist because you dislike religion so much. Can you imagine uh, going back in time and trying to convince somebody of the correct notion that Jesus Christ Superstar is smarter than Life of Brian? I can, and that's right. I can't. Well, I do have. That's a good place it for is. me to end, Alex. Uh, it, it is. It just is. But yeah, I can't imagine going back to the seventies and trying to convince somebody that. I do have some. Uh, uh, contemporary reviews pulled uh, just really briefly that we can uh, go over. There's only one that I think nails it, unfortunately. Um, Roger and Eber both liked it. Uh, Roger said, what's endearing about Python, uh, what's endearing about the Pythons is their good cheer, their irreverence, their willingness to allow comic situations to develop through a gradual accumulation of small insanities. Yeah, sure. Uh, Gene, Yeah, true. Absolutely. I think we've all agreed on that so far. Old Gene Siskel says, uh, a gentle but very funny parody of the life of Jesus, as well as biblical movies. Okay, Gene, not not a great pull, but whatever. I I didn't pull this quote. Wikipedia did. Uh, The only one I really vibed with was Gary Arnold uh, at The Washington Post, (laughs) who said, a cruel fiction to foster the delusion that Brian is bristling, bristling with blasphemous nifties and throbbing with impious, oh God, impious impious wit. Sorry, I'm reading a little too fast. If only it were, one might find it easier to keep from nodding off. And I think that really yeah! does cover it. Thank you, Gary Arnold. This movie is not nearly as subversive as it thinks it is. In fact, as, as Alex already said, it does end up being a little bit regressive and reactionary at times. It's conservative. Uh, Exactly. Does it try to say that it's cool for a member of a movement to, uh, you know, choose their expression of gender? Yes, but it can't do that without John Cleese having a whole J.K. Rowling monologue. Uh, weird choices is, is uh, I think, the, the best way I can uh, think to sum it all up. Very good, very good. Thank you for that, Dalton. Uh, finally, Heath, um, our last guest, or um, other guest, <laughs> I don't know why I had to give a time frame to that. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Life of Brian? Well, I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said about it, uh, but I don't know. The uh, I thought the sight gags were a lot of fun. Uh, I think anything that like doesn't like... Uh, <laughs> uh, give away some kind of political position is at least uh, on the right track in this film, but the rest of it just feels like kind of an Adam Carolla special, uh, like a thing that like history channel cargo shorts dads think is funny a little bit. Uh, wow. And I'm going to give it, uh, it's, it's bad guys. Mm. Short and sweet, baby. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> just like you, buddy. Um, short and sweet. That's what everybody says. Mm. Thank um, you. <laughs> that is not what anybody says. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, Heath is a gargantuan tall man. Famously tall. Famously tall. Fa- 
famously tall and broad. Uh, people do say he's nice, though. They do so say that. that. So sweet. They do say mm-hmm. that. So we, you have that going for you, pal. Um, what I would say is uh, echoing much of what has been said so far, and I think Alex really hit hit the nail on the head when he talked about it being the sort of fedora hat wearing young atheist uh, kind of bit. Uh, there's a lot of that going on here. These uh, and this sort of historical observation, and I think it's not unwise or not even unintelligent to think about how history is always told from a particular voice that kind of elides other ways to think about events of history because the historian in question is recording for different purposes. And so in the Gospels, obviously, they've got a theological, devotional kind of purpose in telling the narratives of Jesus the way that they tell them. And so it leaves out the bits that are silly. It leaves out, you know, fart jokes of all the disciples hanging out with Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. If Life of Brian had actually centered around Jesus himself, um, it, you know, it leaves out, you know, the various kind of political intrigue that goes on. I, I think of uh, this being uh, the slapstick version of <clears throat> Game of Thrones. And what I mean by that is Game of Thrones is Lord of the Rings if we talk more about the sex and the torture, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, in the world of the Lord of the Rings, that stuff's going on. And it's sort of happening all off page, right, Uh, within all of those various kind of books. And uh, what um, um, Martin does with Game of Thrones is take that kind of world and then ramps up all the stuff Tolkien keeps living out in his world. And in the same kind of way, in a a slapstick kind of fashion, it's like, yeah, what about the people who just don't get it? What about the people who are just morons? What about, you know, the, the, the silly side of what's happening in the world? And uh, the ways in which everyone doesn't quite know what they're doing, you know, and I bet you Pontius Pilate was kind of ridiculous. Uh, let's let's think about what that ridiculousness might have looked like. And that's fine, I guess, and fun, but it doesn't really end up having a strong political or philosophical kind of point. It ends up being something of a mess. And it, and, and, and again, as was said earlier, uh, when we were talking about uh, the Jehovah bit. Uh, being a retread of the Knights Who Say Me, it really is a retread of the best parts of Mont- uh, of Monty Python and the Holy Grail done badly. And uh, so I, generally I find it to be kind of a snore fest myself. And so uh, our thoughts generally, um, dear listener, if you're listening, uh, the five of us are generally con uh, when it comes uh, to this film. So we're going to move on, though. Um, we're not going to expand the syllabus. We're going to instead go directly into the realm of analysis and um, I think I want to take on something kind of easy to move into the more difficult thing because a suggestion that keeps being repeated in the reviews is how this film has got this conservatism at its heart. But in terms of narrative structure and characterization, it begins with this group of quasi-leftists and the ways in which they sort of you know, declare each other anathema over and over again. And... Uh, you know, I think Dalton was right early, and I believe it was Dalton who said this. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. There are five of us, and it is hard to juggle. Um, but uh, that to, to point out that various, again, leftist groups like, oh, well, you're a Maoist? No, Maoists are the worst. Well, no, but Maoists are not the worst. Actually, Trotskyists are the worst. No, not the Trotskyists, just the good old-fashioned Leninists, and all the Leninists are really just Stalinists. Oh, Stalin's not so bad, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the way in which they've got these weird you know, factionalism in terms of uh, political doctrine on one side and the other side of just they don't like other people um, and the groups keep splintering and splintering and fracturing and fracturing further and further into some sort of bureaucratic morass um, that holds meetings on immediate action rather than taking immediate action. What do you guys think about uh, those suggestions and how the film deals with 
um, the uh, bifurcation, uh, trifurcation, multifurcation of the left. Yeah, I agree that the left has a perfectionism problem. Uh, you know, the but the movie doesn't really offer any sort of meaningful there's, critique beyond that. Yeah, there's no real nuance in like the interactions between these leftist factions that that is I don't know, uh, possible to joke about. I would imagine. Yeah, it, it definitely it feels like it wants to say something to the effect of uh, actually everybody loves the Empire and they just can't handle the fact that they like the things that Empire provides them with, right? Uh, it, it could also be said to be kind of identifying a problem with organized religion, right? Like everything Dustin just said about uh, organizing within leftist circles, you could easily say about church hierarchies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um we're, church hierarchies can't stop arguing about whether or not they're going to be homophobic uh, and in, instead of, I don't know, doing what the church is supposed to do, which is care for the poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, precisely. So, you know, there are material conditions being diagnosed by the film, and, and I would say it's time to accurately diagnose, but I'm not, everyone's already covered this. There's nothing beyond a diagnosis being presented. There's no, like, larger satirical point really being made uh, other than isn't it funny that these these uh folks hate their neighbors more than they hate their conquerors which i mean yeah that's the story of conquering writ large throughout human history uh that there is no wiser more salient point there uh which which is frustrating because these are like all very well educated dudes um even like the more working class members of the group like uh you know uh, uh eric idol uh you know is Famously, his, his dad died in World War II. You know, they're, they're not all like hoity-toity guys. Uh, oh, this movie but, has know. a very academic love for neoliberalism, in my opinion. Well, mm-hmm. and, you know, Cleese did go to a his, – his mom had some big inheritance or something. So he went to a fancy boy's school and Ooh, taught Latin for yeah. a little bit before he became a comedian. Uh, so, yeah, like there is definitely that sort of – I mean, mid-century Britishness to it, right? In, in a way that – uh, I, again, the, both the the contemporary reviews of this film, and I, I think probably uh, comedy slash film opinion writ large, would think of this as a you know a, a very anarchic and uh, satirical time and place for comedy. Right, the the UK in this sort of late mid century period. Yeah, and it is unfortunate that just doesn't really seem to be the case looking back. And and, and again. Uh, none of us were consuming, uh, you know, work at that time. None of us were alive except Dustin, who was, you know, hiding in the shadows, waiting to to sure. reveal his his existence to the world. Uh, I was actually in my um, uh, bicentennial hibernation at that time. Hmm. I, I do always oh, forget what the rules pod, were for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a good place for us to trail off. I have no larger point. Um, just like Life of Brian has no larger point about this. Well, I, and I th- that's what makes it so hard to talk about. Yeah, truly. Well, I, I wonder if we think about something a little bit more contemporary. I've been recently thinking about an article to write um, for uh, uh, a film studies or visual studies magazine, uh, talking about uh, surveillance and uh, recorded video uh, directly uh, revolving around uh, the summer protests and uh, the Capitol uh, riot. And uh, those visual witnesses and how they sort of form narratives and how those narratives go in different directions. And but while I was watching all of that, 
uh, one of the videos I watched about some of the early summer protests was ways in which uh, those who would uh, affiliate themselves and call themselves uh, black blockers or Antifa types um, would be uh, in some senses opposed to or set in opposition, though on the same side of the protest lines uh, with Black Lives Matter protesters in Portland. And uh, huh. particularly I'm referencing a Vice documentary uh, on that. And um, I, I think this kind of ma- maybe helps us see where the rubber meets the road in something mm. of a point uh, here in uh, Life of Brian is that various people can arrive at slightly different tactical uh, conclusions as well as ideological conclusions. But they tend to have on the left the same sorts of goals. But they become so enamored with their various tactical oppositions, and you could you could apply this even in the 1960s. You know, Malcolm X's versus Martin Luther King Jr. strategies for the civil rights movement, one that is a wholly nonviolent and one that seems to embrace violence, at least on some level, um, there, and uh, and that that really becomes a distraction from the right. That um, these groups, because of their desire to win that battle is, is to gain legitimacy and recognition from, the, from right, the right, right. Rather than simply accomplishing the point. And I, I think that sort of hints back at that conservatism that you're pointing at earlier, Alex, that um, a lot of leftward strategy, uh, and you could think of this about the, uh, about Christians and Christianity as well, you know, denominationalism, um, Presbyterians and uh, let's say Methodists uh, to name two uh, large mainline denominations uh, come from pretty strongly different philosophical underpinnings in their biblical interpretation regarding free will, right? Uh, one tends to be more of a predestination side, one tends to be more libertarian side. And even as I'm talking about that, you're going, is there really a difference between Presbyterians and Methodists? Because really there isn't, but they think there is. And they want to be the, the, the supreme speaking voice. It's, not, it's an authoritarian impulse, really. Um that comes out there. And I, and I think mm. almost life of Brian is shining a light on that con- concept. What do you guys think about that sort of tentative thesis there? Well, we do have that moment, right? Where uh, Brian's trying to remind the masses that you don't need to follow anyone, right? The kingdom of God is within you. You don't need a boss. Um, and and I, I think that there, there's something there, right? But it also in that summation uh, of, um, of a way of living one's life, it, it it shows that it doesn't really understand the the, the leftists it wants to you know uh, give a wedgie, right? Uh, because th- that's an entire uh, political philosophy uh, founded in uh, the idea of collective action, right? W- whether we're talking about the uh, re- regardless of how far left we're talking, right? Whether we're talking about uh, the disillusionment of the state or the restructuring of the state, these are all things about collective action from people who don't have a voice within uh, the current system. Uh, and so the theology of Life of Brian does find itself almost at odds with the politics of Life of Brian in, in a way that I think is interesting, uh, th- that I think speaks to our contemporary moment as well. I mean, I'm glad you've uh, you've kind of connected these dots for us, Dustin, because it is useful. Uh, and uh, I, I think, uh, Alex, did you have, you seem to really be vibing with uh, Dustin's point about the there coming a, a point where uh, the left is wanting some sort of uh, recognition or validation from um, the right or more conservative circles. Uh, you got excited by that. You have anything? There's a certain amount of respectability politics there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I think that 
this movie doesn't see that as a bad thing. It sees the fact that they'll never gain legitimacy as their main obstacle rather than as proof that it isn't something the that they obstacle be they about. place themselves. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to help, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure. So I, I, I again I think that is part of the the divisiveness within you know again religious or political groups uh it turns out the problem is not necessarily the ideology itself um it seems to me that brian is suggesting um something along the lines of you know uh there's a christian theologian called leslie newbegin um you know the idea that let let your idea win in the marketplace of ideas but quit trying to distinguish your particular brand of the idea and let the idea actually float and that seems to be the problem um, there for that. And so, it, it, again, there, there, was a, there was a resonance there for me, um, which leads me to uh, the critique of religion itself. Um, again, Brian's, you know, only sort of sermon on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the balcony, you know, as opposed yeah. to sermon on the mount that he gives is think for yourselves, do your own thing. And uh, and whatnot. And of course, we talked about there is a certain way in which we do need to think for ourselves, but also collective action is important in the political realm. But I think uh, the the film is trying to make a pretty pedestrian critique of religion is that there are sometimes in any religious group. And I guess you might say in a political group, naming types of actions or using certain kinds of terminology. Right. Could also just as easily apply there. Um, so it, it's a sociological problem, not an ideological problem that um, the reason why some of those things were once done in the past has now been forgotten and it doesn't really hold the same uh, sway in the contemporary moment. And so the stoning scene uh, becomes the sort of uh, par excellence version of that, right? Where um, you're not supposed to say this word. It's because there's an essence of reverence or whatever. That was the initial intent of this word that simply means God. Um, to say Jehovah or not say Jehovah, and then they're the acts, they're the knights who are accidentally saying, you know, knee um, a, a, as a result of it. But the the reasons for it are kind of lost, right? Any group is going to have its own little set of sociological taboos, and any group that is uh, going to uh, maintain any kind of public sway is going to have to shift those with time, right? Again, sort of the sociological things, not really built out of their ideology. And uh, so, you know, for instance, you know, no making of images and then the event of Jesus takes place and Christians think it's okay to make pictures of Jesus. Right. Um, That's the thing that shifts. And that's an example of doing it right. But other things happen over time where it's the rule is just because the rule is. And that's ridiculous. And again, that's a pedestrian thing. And you say, oh, Christians have these rules about, you know, groups of Christians that don't go to movies or don't play cards or don't play dominoes or whatever. And uh, that initial sociological principle, close association with, say, gambling or whatever, uh, with playing dominoes, is now lost in the 21st century. And what you end up looking like is just simply out of step and ridiculous, right? Well, it's out of it's it's out of touch by the 20th century sure. as well, right? Which I think is a big part because the, the both the political and theological point of Life of Brian is so surface level, it misses that the thing it's critiquing is like. And I guess they there there are moments in the film where it seems like they might get that like 
they're not bagging on the idea of uh, you know the, the, the ideological and theological underpinnings of Christianity, right? They are annoyed by organized religion, but I it, it feels like they they misdiagnose the problem in a pretty serious way, or or at the very least the well, the problem that oh go ahead I. I feel like, I, and I hope this point hasn't been made already, but I feel like that they're pointing out the fact that leftists and religious people have a similar type of dogma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and to a certain extent, they're saying that the problems with the church are the problems with the left. Uh, but I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I said, I, I kind of also wondered a similar thing earlier, Heath, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have much for it right um mm. that's kind of about as far as i got as well, well I, but I, I think I, the movie does kind of think the romans are bad occupation's not good and so these motivations of the left are appropriate and the same time when we have the peanut gallery commenting hearing poorly uh the sermon mm. on the mount blessed are the cheesemakers which is a actually great joke i was really really amused I did by like that. that yeah it was good but um somebody finally figures out one of the things they say so oh blessed not on the greek but the meek oh that's nice right and this idea like, okay, it's a good idea to be humble or whatever. And, and, and I think the movie is kind of suggesting that those philosophical, theological or whatever uh, ideological underpinnings uh, may have some value. But what gets lost in translation is uh, the dysfunction of the community. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. There, there's even that moment that's, uh, that's the John Cleese character who appears, who's one of the, the PFJ uh, is that the right acronym? Not important. Uh, he's, he's one of he's one of the recurring. Continue. Thank you. He's, he's one of the uh, recurring people's front of Judea guys. Yeah. And in that Sermon on the Mount scene, he says, "Oh yeah, sounds like blessed are those who want to uphold the status quo." Which again, totally incoherent. Totally incoherent. Exactly. Like a, a very big misread, not only of the the politics this film wants to critique, but also the religion this film wants to critique, which is I, the thing that frustrates me, I guess. You know, I'm I'm not above having a go at, you know, we just not that long ago had, had a great time watching Dogma, and we're all surprised at like how well it kind of held up. Uh, and I think that that might have a lot... Kevin Smith, uh, problems that he has... Uh, I think his uh, appreciation for his Catholic upbringing does a lot of favors for the movie Dogma, right? You, you, when you've lived in something, you can see it a little clearer sometimes. And again, I don't, I don't, didn't get enough research done to know much about the uh, the uh, religious background of the the idol guy or the the Python guys. I assume most of them have a Church of England background of some kind. Uh, but it, but it just feels like either they don't know what a know what they want to talk about well enough to really get at anything uh, or the problems uh, that they see are just kind of a, a symptom of a larger issue. Well, and I think one of the big failures of the film is exactly what you're talking about, Dalton, because um, you know, the, 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 the critique that they're making of the left is these guys can't get together because they can't see that they're actually all on the same side. Mm. The one bit of, you know, the narrative of, of the story of Jesus again, is that Matthew chapter five, six and seven sermon on the Mount stuff which is the, the, the leftist heart of the gospel, right? Yeah. Uh, it is uh, one of those passages of scripture that you don't hear in evangelical churches for the most part. And if you do, you have all the uh, sort of preaching around it, right? Uh, how to not do what it says to do. 
to uh, to be a peacemaker, to turn the other cheek, or you know, to do you know, and and, and encourage imperialism, continued violence, continued oppression, and uh, whatnot of other people. It is very much that that kind of leftist core of that. And what what they fail to seem to see is that the teachings of Jesus are also on the same side as these leftists. At least the teachings of Jesus are choosing to highlight. Right. Yeah. Well, and there is something really great about the the story of Brian, just insofar as that, like, it, it is showing that what happened to Jesus of Nazareth is not particularly remarkable. Uh, he was a poor dude who got executed by the state, which is a thing that happened a lot back then and happens a lot now. And I, I think drawing that connection between, uh, you know, this mythical uh, man deity uh, and Brian from down the road that's a very wise connection to make, right? And I think it does speak to like a larger understanding of the big points. Uh, but it, it does just, it frustrates that, that it, like you said, it, it, it chooses to just kind of breeze past the stuff that really connects um, coherently to the other points the film wants to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other uh, thing that I was thinking quite a bit about uh, regarding this film was, oh, I just lost it out of my head. Uh, does anybody have one? Um, I'm going to have to vamp here for yeah, a second. I, uh, I want to no. talk about how the uh, the critiques of leftism in Holy Grail are better. The help, help, I'm being repressed guy <laughs> is a much funnier bit uh, and has a much sharper thing to say about the relationship between uh, leftist uh, sort of intellectualism and love of hearing itself talk and that relationship to power. Because this guy makes a whole big speech, and then all the king does is say, bloody peasant, and slap him, and then move on. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's such a... And that's a great scene. It's a scene that people quote all the time. Uh, it, the, the digging awesome. shit scene is hilarious. Uh, it, it's, it's truly great. Uh, and it does get at something... Like you said, it, it, the performative, kind of uh, academic, intellectual bantering that, well, frankly, we're doing right now... Yeah is, uh, you know, as part of the problem. And I, that scene gets that well. It, it's weird that this movie doesn't recognize that part of what it's talking about is just like straight up in scripture, right? Uh, Dustin, you've already alluded to the, the Malcolm and Martin split, but that's like in the Bible. <laughs> he has to tell his buddy to not stab a cop. Right. That's just a thing that happens in the text. Uh, it, it is uh, fundamentally about, uh, you know, aggressive and pass- aggressive resistant resistance through passivity uh which doesn't mean not uh being in count not encountering violence uh it just means letting violence happen upon you which is uh really a, a, kind of what i was getting at when i talked about the uh just the depiction of uh capital punishment within the film uh that's that's really all uh, just kind of putting a pin in that but yeah i, th- I think alex is absolutely right uh, dustin do you still need vamping because i got another thing i wanted to talk about i have figured out my thing but i would much rather talk about your thing first go right ahead well look uh file this under the heading of things dalton media dalton is consuming so wants to talk about on the episode <laughs> uh oh but hell alex, yeah but alex got me into dune it's dune time i knew it it's time to get. It's time to to take the spice, everybody. Our Lord and Savior, uh, Paul Atreides. Yes, let's conquer the worm. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm also are. reading it. Yeah, I thought I'd heard you say that recently, Heath. I'm very excited by that. Uh, I'm not. I'm yeah. not far in enough to like do a reference like you guys, but I just wanted you to know. 
I'm not super far yet either. I've just kind of before. So I'm about halfway, just over halfway through the first book. Oh, uh, you're farther uh, than me, my man. Okay. In, in getting into it, though, I did kind of do some some homework on like what the larger because this is you know it's a big damn series. I kind of wanted to know what it, what it, I was getting into, what its larger points were, and I think Frank uh, Herbert just has a much more succinct and better diagnosis of the problem of charismatic figures uh, and the problem of messianic ideals. And it's not always the dude, it's the people around the dude. Uh, and that's something that Life of Brian like kind of gestures towards. And of course, you know, a 90-minute movie can't do the same heavy lifting that, you know, several thousands of pages of science fiction series can do. But damn, you know, try harder, I guess. I would agree that Life of Brian is both not as smart as Jesus Christ Superstar and not as smart as Dune. I, I think that would be an easy case to make, and I totally agree. <laughs> For sure. But, uh, I mean, god damn. Like, it doesn't engage... Well, one thing it does engage with really well is the idea of a movement getting away from someone. Yes, and that's I, I think that's why I wanted to bring up Dune because it teases that out yeah. in a pretty big way. That's yeah. kind of the, the larger crux of the the rest of the series, um, and, and it, we get that with Brian. Right, Brian's just trying to give a very simple. Uh, he's just one of many dudes on soapboxes outside his house, uh, and unfortunately, uh, people get obsessed with his uh, his gourd and his sandals, which is yeah a thing that happens when you end up as the figurehead of a movement. Uh, it, it's just interesting to me that th- there is no, it feels like there's something essential missing and I wish I could figure out what it is so I could diagnose the movie's problem a little bit better. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I can't figure it out. I think it might just be nuance, like more nuanced knowledge on the subject of your jokes. Like they I th- didn't read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like the the in a lot of ways this movie sort of like endorses the uh, the empire, like the the Roman Empire in this case, like uh, from a scope of like practicality, mm-hmm. because they can see it right in front of their faces, right? Uh, and they and it's the rea- and it's the force that essentially shaped you know all those dudes' reality and our reality too. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, I don't know. I just think that like the, uh, the, uh, way that they talk about the left just doesn't get very deep at all. It just doesn't seem like, like the jokes are, uh, uh, the jokes are there, but there's just like no like inside knowledge or like good faith approaches to the things they discuss. If you ask me. Well, yeah. And and the good jokes you mentioned don't connect to the attempts at making larger political points and, uh, it does, uh, I think, fundamentally end up being on the side of, of Empire, uh, probably more than it meant to. I, I don't think that was probably their intent, uh, because it's not, it's not like we're talking about uh, you know a group of comedians who weren't incapable of being subversive and making good points. They definitely did that at points in their career. It, it's just weird what a big miss this is. It, it seems like it should be right on the money, and instead it, it does end up saying, well, you know, Sure, a couple million people die, but plumbing's good, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a language that you can build like twelve different languages on top of is good, and uh, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily a great point. 
No, I, I totally agree. Um, so, and I was saving this, and I and I hope you know we have more discussion. That's fine, but I think to transition us a little bit here, a lot of what we've been doing with our analysis so far, um, to use a mystical term, is the via negativa, uh, the way in which it misses, the way it fails, the way in which it falls short. But um, there is a ideological agenda that uh, the Python troop has that um, I think the film does go ahead and achieve, and that's his general anarchism. And I think that word was deployed already earlier uh, in our conversation. And this, again, this idea of free thought, again, uh, Mm. Brian's uh, uh, sermon on the balcony. Uh, But also uh, I'm thinking about the cross scene uh, where uh, each of the guys that have been sent to execution go down the dungeon and uh, they ask the guy, you know, the guy says, oh, crucifixion today. Uh, Yes, that's me. Okay, good. Go to the left, you know, down the hall, grab the cross, you know, and line up there. Right. And uh, at any point, somebody could say, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. And uh, and, and in fact, one of the jokes is a guy pretends to to not. No, I'm actually here for freedom. Right. And uh, could have gotten away with it. But um, he just thinks it's a good lark and then goes ahead and goes with it to crucifixion, which, again, is, I think, a really funny bit. But um, I, I do think they rightly diagnose the way in which uh, general uh, British society, we might say at this point, uh, but societies in general do have uh, this kind of herd mentality and uh, that it is um, absurd. And I, I, and I think the absurdity of the film sort of shines a light on that. And I think it does that well. Um, what do you guys think about evaluating the general uh, anarchism and absurdity of um, herd mentalities? Well, Alex, you kind of already pointed to that, right? That the film does touch on the the ability for, not the ability, the tendency of a movement to get away from somebody, right? Yeah. And uh, I do want to go ahead and we'll read the second to last verse real quick um, because uh, of um, always look on the bright side of life, the the closing musical number, because it, it does, you know, act pretty effectively is a summation of these larger points and in Dustin, it connects to what you were talking about. Uh, not going to sing it, unfortunately, but uh, for life is quite absurd and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your sin. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance anyhow. And, uh, you know, that connects to some Dune stuff, right? <laughs> Spe- yeah. Speaking of that, uh, they're definitely talking around the same ideas, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, and Eric Idle, of course, being the, the great comedy lyricist that he is, uh, I think does more in those you know five lines than the movie does in the preceding ninety minutes. Unfortunately, it it, it does get just at that dust and that yeah. Uh, life is a joke. You were, and the only certainty is that you're going to eat it, and everybody you know is going to eat it, and and that's really all you can count on. And you you've, you've got to find a way to have a good time anyway, uh, and that's great. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think that's yeah, a that's pretty good. Yeah, this movie wants you to life. live, Moss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! That's the central True. theme of this film. Wow! Yeah, I'm reminded of old Baja Blast communion jokes now. Um, well done, well done. <laughs> Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. How do we keep getting here? Well, and I, that does speak to, I think, a. Uh, uh, maybe an accidentally, but but pretty salient theology there, right? It's not about what you're doing or what you're not doing or what you're putting in you. Uh, it is about whether or not you are facing life as a thing that will happen to you and that you cannot control. 
and that any uh, attempt on your part to control life uh, is probably just going to make the universe uh, rattle your cage even harder. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say you shouldn't do anything. That's uh, and I think that's maybe that that kind of anarchistic bent that you're talking about, Dustin. And I, and I, I want to try to connect both like uh, anarchism as far as like or anarchic as far as like comedic absurdity with the the, the political. If I can, I'll probably fail. But I'm going to give it a shot. Um, there is something to be said for this the idea of like having a laugh at life. Uh, and doing it with your friends, uh, which hopefully we're doing right now. Uh, but the whole I- idea of uh, anarchism is a political underpinning, right? It's not about a, a lack of organization. It's about a lack of hierarchy. Uh, right. And that, that ending of the bright side of life does kind of underline that. Uh, you're going to die, period. Pontius Pilate's going to die. Jesus of Nazareth's going to die. Judas Iscariot's going to die. Brian from down the road's going to die. And that's okay. There's nothing anybody could have done to stop that. What we can do moving forward is look at our options uh, with the time that we have over here. Uh, I don't know if I made any really good point uh, there, but uh, I, I, I definitely think that there are times, especially in those final moments, where the movie is almost speaking to something. And maybe that's why I'm so frustrated by it. They get so close. Truly. Alrighty. Well, I didn't like I didn't want to run over anybody else's thoughts. I feel like I've talked a lot on this episode. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it does sort of you know it can't sort of figure out where it because of their general anarchism, it ends up resulting in a disorganization, right? Uh, yeah. Which is, I mean, an anti-organizational, anti-structural sort of ideology lends itself to that. But they don't organize their argument in any way. And so uh, they, they, they show the weakness of their own sort of project uh, in mm. that sense. Um, well, yeah, the, the church in theory, right, uh, within the, the Gospels is supposed to be uh, without hierarchy and is supposed to be an organization of individuals taking care of each other. Uh, it is unfortunate that the problem of life of Brian is the problem of the modern church, uh, which is that that uh, attempt to do anything <laughs> with the uh, the time together is not always followed through on. Right. And uh, that critique itself invalidates the ideology, which is it was problematic. I was thinking about, oh, stupid Aaron Sorkin. Uh, God bless him, I guess. Um, and uh, his critique of uh, Occupy Wall Street in the newsroom. Uh, through the mouth of uh, Jeff Daniels' character, Will McAvoy, and how that's a leaderless organization. They've got their hand signals, their tradition, but it becomes so disparate because there are so many things that are broken that they want to address that they sort of become so dissolved, right, or so so ephemeral uh, in their ideology that or their project um, that it doesn't work. And it ends up landing on the side, here again, of conservatism, that what you're doing isn't pragmatic, what you're doing isn't practical, and um, I, I think you know the, the the deeper notion of let's say Christianity or of the organized left is to not be pragmatic, to be truly idealistic, um, and maybe even in some senses utopian, and uh, to take a line from uh, the uh, Situationist. Um, uh, movement of the 1960s organizing uh, for the left in France, uh, led by Guy Debord and others, is uh, let's be reasonable and demand the impossible. 
Um, that seems hmm. to be where um, this particular piece falls short is that they don't go ahead and demand the impossible and uh, let it be the beautiful failure uh, forward that it could be. Does that make yeah, sense? I, yeah. I, I feel like the appeal to practicality always has that sort of reactionary bias. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of a lot of shows that have done that without uh, having that critique slapped on them. Like South Park comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, where they get to uh, say right wing things uh, under the banner of practicality. Uh, other examples kind of fail me right now, but I think that that sort of like appeal is a is a reactionary argument because uh reactionary forces shape this world uh and they're asking for their ideological opponents to play a game that they aren't invited to the table for does that make sense well you know what i mean absolutely absolutely yeah and we don't need to turn to a a pop culture reference heath and and dustin we don't need to turn to a a pop culture reference to you know occupy we can just turn to this summer uh and and, you know the the appeal to practicality of what you just want to get rid of the police uh to which i would say well yeah Yeah, have you ever bothered to picture a world without the police Uh, because they are sort of a self uh, uh, a a problem that creates its own need. That's the not the right way. That's not how I want to phrase that. Um, not important. Um, it is a, a you, you. It's a solution to a problem that has been created, as Heath just said, uh, by reactionary. It's it's a reactionary force responding to the outcomes of reactionary forces. There we go. Absolutely. Well, and I think about the Gospels themselves. They are the sort of declaration that Caesar is not Lord, right? Which is, yeah. a, you know, sort of like an in God we trust kind of slogan throughout the Roman Empire. And so the declaration throughout that Jesus is Lord in the Gospels is a political statement saying there could be a different way in which a peasant carpenter from the biggest South Louisiana backwater of the known world, right, could and who, who dies executed by the state could have a lordship that's different right uh than the lordship of caesar and put put together a vox populi a voice of the people a community an ecclesia that is um fundamentally different and it, it, it's a problem of imagination and mm. I, I think that's really what life of brian lacks is they're able to see the cracks and uh you know to shine some light on the cracks but uh it fails to have any imagination of what that you know uh, you know no gods no no bosses or uh anarchic thinking for yourself um tradition you know not being the last final word in how we behave our lives how can we find happiness joy and satisfaction how can we move remove for oppression or whatever it, it simply suggests those things are bad but we can't get these you know these cats to get it done and they're all a bunch of jack wagons fine but it it has an impoverished imagination uh where it can't imagine what looking like that kind of life would be. I mean, I would love to see the conclusion where Brian somehow escapes the cross and forms uh, the commune that gives birth to the commune in Britain in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like that would be both hilarious and interesting. Yeah, it's sort of weird uh, that John Cleese just and uh, I'm going to blame it all on Cleese because uh, he's the one that has all the uh, the lines. Yeah, uh, John Cleese is the one that has all the lines about how the left never does anything and how empires do every do things all the time. Uh, it, it's weird that he just kind of chooses to ignore that. Just just a ways across the British Channel, a, a brief swim away 
you had uh, people in both Spain uh, and France, just like a scant couple of decades before this movie came out, like actively uh, succeed at, at self, uh, you know, uh, community organized projects, right? Uh, at attempts to uh, organize outside of the state uh, in, in a way that, you know, where people are taking care of each other, which is kind of the point of the Gospels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, you want to take us on home? I, I think we're you, you you kind of teed us up to put a pin in it, but it sounds like we're we're putting a pin in something we could talk about for another hour. Uh, well, that's for sure, and I think the conversation could go on, so we'll give you an opportunity to be able to be part of that, dear listener. Uh, but before we give you that opportunity, let's just give our final uh, verdict on Life of Brian, um, as we always do on every show, shelf or trash. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, with Life of Brian. Um, I'll just take the uh, chat room in order. I'll go to you first, Alex. Trash. Trash. <laughs> Very good. What do you say, Heath? I'm seconding the trash. All right. Dalticus Omnipotus, what do you say? Um, I'll third the trash, and since we have our uh, our lovely uh, guests from the Praise Down here, I'll use the uh, system they use for rating records on the Praise mm-hmm. Down, which is uh, how many nice. out of uh, 12 disciples, including Judas, and you can use Judas however you want. Uh, I'm going to say Life of Brian gets uh, f- five out of 12 disciples, and it's definitely one of those five is Judas. It's, for sure. Yeah, it's th- these folks have made better comedy, and that's what you should go watch. For sure. All right. Thank you very much, Dalton. Arthur, what do you say about Life of Brian? Uh, Shelf or trash? I uh, fourth the trash. Um, Very good. Very good. I will fifth the trash and I will cheat towards our old format and mention expanding the syllabus. Other things you should watch instead. Uh, If you're into the comedy bits, watch uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I think it's better religious and political critique and funnier. And if you're thinking about reimagining the life of Jesus um, on the other side, you should read the book Lamb. uh, the, the the story of Biff, Jesus's childhood pal, a uh, great little novel and uh, probably a bit more incisive in the way in which it connects those dots uh, in a similar structural way uh, to uh, the life of Brian. So there you go, dear friends. Dalton, can you tell us how we can all be part of this conversation? Uh, that's right. Just because the episode's ending doesn't mean the conversation has to stop. Dear listener, uh, if you want to get us a fifth of trash, uh, if you want to tell us about possible worlds, if you're confused about that Dune digression, uh, here's how to get in touch. Long-form feedback, you can go to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Send us those emails. We'd love to see them. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. Uh, DMs are open. Uh and not only will you find all the great stuff we're doing here at the Good Trash Honorcast, but uh, we're also tweeting out links to good movie news we like, uh, think pieces and essays about the damn movies that we like, uh, and also things made by people we like, such as The Praise Down with Heath and Alex and The Wheel of Randy with Dan Wade, both of which just really spectacular episodes. Uh, Dan and I are of the opinion that the most recent episode of The Praise Down is uh, one of the best. And uh, yeah, you should go listen to it if you haven't. Uh, this is a good excuse if you've not. It's, so kept... it's such a good episode, it's guys. Great, good. great guest. Uh, they have uh, Hannah uh, on, who was uh, your like sixth guest, right? Like way, way back. Yeah, yeah sixth ever. Uh, One of the OGs. Uh, Hannah comes on to talk about a record called Preacher's Kid uh, that is uh, by a lesbian woman who was the child of a preacher and gets into uh, all of the messy religious traumas that come with that uh, and the ways in which... Uh, 
people in queer communities uh, refuse to have Christianity taken away from them by bigots. And that shit kicks ass. I like it. It's a good episode of The Praise Down, and you should check it out. And if you want to see links to The Praise Down and other things, like I said, it's at good underscore trash. Um, I'm going to let the fellas do their own stuff here in a second. Uh, normally I would do it for them, but they're here. So I'll let one of them do it. Uh, where else can you find us? Oh yeah. You've listened to a podcast before rate review, subscribe. Uh, don't go to the Patreon right now. We're behind on bonus content. So I couldn't, I couldn't even feel good telling you to do that. Um, I think that's really all we need to discuss as pertains to social media. Uh, Heath and or Alex, do you want to tell the folks uh, at home a, a little bit more about the show or where they can find you online? Well, I usually do this on our show, so I'm going to let Alex do it. Okay, you can find The Praise Down uh, anywhere podcasts are sold. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher Premium, we're on Stitcher Regular even. Yeah, Stitcher Free. Uh, we're on uh, SoundCloud, we're on uh, Podbean, and you can find The, tw- the Praise Down's Twitter at twitter.com slash thepraisedown. We're also on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, but don't go on Facebook. Don't do that. Uh, Now, Alex, isn't there a a pinned tweet that people might want to know about? You know, there is. Uh, Thank you for reminding me. The only place I ever hang out anymore, and uh, a place where you can connect with uh, all of the Praise Down gang, is on our Discord. So go to our pinned tweet at thepraisedown on Twitter. And uh, join it if you want to be friends with us. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I if agree you found your, if you listen to this episode and found yourself thinking, "Gee, I would have liked to have watched Life of Brian with these fine folks," you could have. Uh, it's just a, a Discord invite away. Um, I think that's all the business we have uh, time for. All the fit news that's fit to print. Arthur, do you want to tell the fine people at home what we're going to be discussing next week? Oh wait, follow me on Twitter at Sirius Sanchez and follow oh, yeah. me at Wise Himba. There we go. Got to get those personal handles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important business. Arthur, um, what's up? What's Where are we at? Well, maybe uh, the dear listener can even watch next week's film with you in the Discord if they uh, if you all feel so inclined to do so. Uh, as we are watching uh, a hot new release. Uh, <gasps> next week, we place our bets and buckle in for the title fight as we sit ringside for Godzilla vs. Kong. It's gonna Ooh, be fuck. large. I'm excited. And, I've caught before, up on the entire monster verse, so I am and, ready for this. Now, Dalton and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our weird bonus show about uh, pop culture and and unfriended. Uh, but uh, I, I, we just need to know where does everybody stand on this? You know, whose side are you on? Kong. Yeah, I figure a real life monkey beats a real life w- lizard. So <laughs> math even is lizard with there. beam. Yeah, Kong give a normal list of the beam. I think a monkey still wins. You know, uh-huh. Dustin. I don't know. <laughs> I have no thoughts at this point. I figured you'd be Team well, Kong. I, I, well, I tend to be because I teach King Kong every year, but also t- King Kong is a uh, racist ideological form. So there's that. Well. You know, white guys get in a boat, go to cross a body of water, kidnap a black body, bring it in chains to make money off of it. It's racist. I'm just saying. I, I, uh, there's a thing. I retweeted an interesting thread about that from uh, an Asian film critic that I, uh, we follow on the Good Trash Honor cast. Uh, and he goes kind of in depth into those themes of uh, of the the racism and, and the, uh, the reactionary element of Godzilla and how those two combine into a very interesting idea of you know, two immigrants uh, stories coming together. 
Uh, it was kind of an interesting little thread to read through. So I recommend that. I recommend you watch uh, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, sponsored by HBO Max. HBO Max, buy it now. <laughs> All right. And please, AT&T says, <laughs> we need more people to buy this, please. <laughs> please, please sponsor us. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on the life of Brian. And next week, we'll be looking at Kong versus Godzilla. Good times we had by all. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. I'm not